Welcome to Behind the Screen. I'm Carolyn Jardina, and today we are joined by our Hollywood Reporter Awards columnist, Scott Feinberg. Hi, Scott. Hey, good to be with you. The Oscar nominations are now out, and um, I wanted to talk to you about some of the categories that we often see in Behind the Screen. Absolutely. So for starters, big picture, um, Dune has 10 nominations in total, but certainly in the craft areas, um, it was quite dominant. And I wanted to see what you thought about that and what it could potentially mean come Oscar night. You know, I I definitely uh, was struck by how well Dune did, but I was even more struck by the depth and breadth of support for The Power of the Dog, which ended up with even more with a total of 12 nominations. And so I I don't think any of us really expected that and certainly didn't expect that Dune's director, Denis Villeneuve, would be excluded because it just kind of, while it's certain, while directing nominations are determined by a different branch of the Academy, of course, than these below the line uh, category nominations, it still is kind of hard to imagine how a film that has so much great work that that was done in collaboration with the director would be recognized in all of these areas, but not for the director, don't you think? Yes, I think that surprised a lot of people. And and just to be clear, um, The Power of the Dog also received a lot of crafts nominations, but uh, it also received four acting nominations, whereas Dune went higher in the crafts areas. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, still they're up against each other in so many of these uh, in these craft and technical categories yes, that, any of you know, them. and I, I, I do think the edge in many of these cases will still go to Dune, which, as you noted in your coverage, I think is in all seven of the of the technical categories, something that's pretty rare. But I, I think there's a, a very real possibility that we could be in for a Mad Max Fury Road kind of sweep here where, you know, that movie was not going to win picture or director or any acting awards, which is almost certainly the case as well for Dune, uh, unless it were to surprise us and win picture. It's the only one that it's actually up for. But I think a nice way of acknowledging what a undertaking it is would be um, for that to happen. And I do get the sense that, you know, whether it's visual effects or any number of those other categories that I'm sure we'll come to, that seems to be the way that things are looking early on. Well, Dune did well, but as you pointed out, The Power of the Dog has a lot of nominations in these categories, and individual categories also have a lot of um, a lot of interesting work this year. So let's look at some of them. Um, I'm going to start with Best Cinematography. Our nominees are Greg Frazier for Dune, uh, Dan Lauston for Nightmare Alley, Ari Wegner for Power of the Dog, Bruno Debanel for Tragedy of Macbeth, and Janusz Kaminski for West Side Story. Now, notable in this category is Ari Wegner's nomination. She is the second woman to be nominated in the category. Uh, The first was Rachel Morrison in 2018 for Mudbound. Yeah, it's it's an interesting category. I thought I was, um, you know, I was a little surprised that that was a place where uh, Belfast was not recognized i thought you know with mostly black and white cinematography that would be something that i would expect uh sam you know similarly although not as surprisingly passing another black and white film left out but uh but i i think that you know in in a lot of years we'd give a better shot to the tragedy of macbeth because we know how much at least within the branch black and white is admired but i think with the with the full academy it's probably, again, a, a Dune Power of the Dog situation, don't you think? 
those seem to be the front runners right now. Should tragedy of Macbeth prevail, that would actually be the third time in the last four years that a black and white movie won the category. Wow. Uh, wow. Last year, Mank, and then uh, three years ago was Roma. Yeah, you know, the, the the real hurdle, and people, you know, you know this, and, and I know this, but just so listeners are aware, for whatever reason, the Academy has has always operated on the basis that, all right, so only the experts are qualified to pick the nominees in a category. But then when it comes to the winners, it basically opens up to everyone. And so cinematography, like all categories, is, is you know, the result is going to be dependent not just on what what the experts in that field think, but what everybody does. So suddenly it becomes less important you know, you know, cinematographers might literally be something like 5% of the people choosing that winner. And so, you know, a bigger issue becomes, did a lot of Academy members even watch The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is only other, uh, you know, has very few other nominations. Denzel got nominated for Best Actor, but, you know, I know a lot of Academy members who weren't especially gung-ho to watch a black and white Shakespearean adaptation. And, uh, and that could be a problem when it's open to the full Academy. And to your point about cinematography voting, um, in the past 10 years, only six of those years did the winner of the ASC award go on to win the Oscar. There you go. You know, it's just not, ref- it's, I, I don't like the way that the Academy does this because it just seems to, I, their rationale is everyone who's in the Academy is supposedly, you know, uh, their opinions are valuable and they're all qualified to win. But the reality is it's just, it doesn't work that way. That why should a, you know, costume designer be any more qualified than you or I to evaluate cinematography. It's just completely not their area. Now you might be more, you're more qualified for sure than the costume designer. Uh, maybe, maybe not me. <laughs> Do you ever hear of uh, their of talk of changing those rules? I think they just have so many other problems that that's not a high one on their list, but I'm going to keep on them as I, as I do every year, just even if I'm shouting into the wind. <laughs> Well, I'm going to move on to production design. Um, And actually, two times in the last five years, the winner of the cinematography category and the production design category were the same movie, including a year ago for Mank. This year, production design nominees are Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. What do you think of these nominations? Well, it's the exact same lineup, right? So it it is interesting that those branches are are so aligned in their thinking, at least in terms of the nominations. And then for the full Academy, I, I do think they'll in all likelihood go to the same movie, which right now probably would be Dune, but it, it would be interesting. I mean, I I just don't see the tragedy of Macbeth having been watched enough to go to both. I, I personally have been surprised that West Side Story hasn't been more of a factor at, you know, some of the Guild and professional society nominations that precede the Oscars, including uh, ASC, didn't even nominate Kaminsky for the cinematography, right? And uh, I'm trying to remember what happened. I'm sure ADG, which has a bunch of categories, uh, as I recall, would have. But re- what it really boils down to is if you're not somebody who's really familiar with work, you know, you don't work in production design or cinematography, those are both very much about, you know, did I like the look of the film? Did I think it looked cool, which I know is a ridiculously simplistic way of looking at it, except that that's how most people who don't work in those areas are going to think. And so for that reason, Dune was a pretty cool looking movie just on the surface. And I think that will will uh, make a big difference. 
Well, the way the Art Directors Guild works is they actually have three categories, uh, one for period film, one for contemporary film, and one for uh, fantasy. Four of the five nominees this year are nominated for Art Directors Guild. Nightmare Alley, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story are all nominated in the period film category and Dune in the fantasy category. In three of the last five years, the winner of the period film category went on to win the Oscar in production design. Once in the last five years, it went to the contemporary film winner and once to the fantasy film winner. So I guess both Dune and Power of the Dog are are that period. Well, no, Dune would be fantasy, uh, right? So uh, Dune, Dune uh, is fantasy and Nightmare Alley, Macbeth and West Side Story are period. And where do they what do they do with Power of the Dog? It was not nominated. It was not nominated. Wow. That's uh, weird to me, but um, I guess it does show that you know, there, there is certainly, you know, differences between the, the guild or the, you know, in that, yeah, in that case, a guild and the branch of the academy. I don't, I guess, uh, you know, one of the big factors that I've been talking about recently is that, you know, the academy has made this concerted effort to get younger uh, people to join their organization. And the, the downside of that is that they're busy with their own careers and seeing fewer of the movies before they vote. So I think that a possible explanation there is that, you know, there's a handful of movies that everybody knew they had to watch early on. And that was uh, Power of the Dog was certainly at or near the top of the list. So even if you're a, you know, um, that that could be the difference between the, the Guild and the Academy. Just these guys saw fewer movies. They prioritize the ones that they, uh, you know, that have had the most overall buzz as films. And that could be how a power of the dog gets in with the with the branch, but not with the Guild. Um, but we'll and you know, and then the next thing that can happen is that uh, coattails, you know, where if if power of the dog really is massively popular, uh, which we'll have to see. I mean, the, the 12 nominations suggest it's widely admired, but if there's such enthusiasm for it uh, and maybe less for Dune, then you have coattails that can carry a, a movie like Power of the Dog over in this category too, because again, most of the people voting have no idea what they're talking about with production design. We're going to move on to Best Animated Feature. So our nominees are Encanto, Flea, Luca, the Mitchells versus the Machines and Raya and the Last Dragon. And a few notes on this category. Encanto actually received three nominations in total, additionally for score and original song. And Flea was the first movie to be nominated in animated feature as well as international feature and feature documentary. Yeah, that's uh, it's a historic achievement, and there have been many movies that hope for it, probably most notably Waltz with Bashir, right? But uh, um, that's a, it's a major thing for Flea. It had some big endorsements, including from Bong Joon-ho, who had his own movie with Neon uh, a year or two ago, I guess two years ago, um, which, uh, you know, might explain how they got him to watch it, but it's his gushing endorsement was something that I think elevated it. I, I don't think, and you can correct me if you disagree, but, you know, I don't think that Flea is most distinguished and most uh, notable for the quality of its animation. I think it's a powerful documentary that chose to use some degree of animation because that was the only way it could tell its story while protecting the identity of some of the figures in it. So I, I, I was a little surprised. I mean, even the Annies did not really nominate it for much of anything because 
I just don't think it's particularly notable for its animation. I think it would stand a better chance in the documentary and international feature categories because, you know, that's more about the the story that it's telling than I think than animated feature category would be. I think it's hard to say at this point, but um, what I would point out about the Annies, though, is um, a few years ago, they divided the top category into best animated feature and best independent animated feature. So Flea was nominated and will probably take the independent feature Mm -hmm. category, but um, it wasn't head to head with a lot of these other, you know, the bigger studio movies in that category, at least. So, you know, that that's one thing to note. And, you know, and Flea did do very well all year in, you know, for example, it won the top prize at Annecy, the Annecy Animation Festival. So I don't know where this is going to go this year. But, yeah, it's a wide um, open, it, I, I, guess, I, yeah. I don't think we can, I, I wouldn't count it out, but, um, but I, yeah, to your point, yes, it could also uh, do well in the other two. Yeah. Do you have a strong sense about, the animated feature category right now? Do you feel like there's a strong front runner or? You know, I don't. I think that um, Netflix is very invested in the Mitchells versus the Machines, which has sort of uh, a bit of cachet too with the involvement of Lord and Miller, these guys who. Spider-Man into Spider-Man. the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think they're going to give it a real ride. And with several you know, high profile films in the category, there's anything can happen. But I think, you know, as we've often talked about, I think there's uh, sort of a built in advantage for Disney Pixar products, um, in this case, Encanto, partly because it's just such a brand and they have a a great, uh, you know, track record of doing great work, but also because as they get recognized, those people become members of the Academy. So in some ways it becomes a a self-perpetuating cycle. But also another factor here is that Disney Plus is a very big presence in the lives of any Academy member who has a child. And and so I think that uh, we can't underestimate the the effect of having this movie playing in your house 20 times a, a week. And Scott, let's also talk about original song. Yeah, I, uh, you know, of course, Encanto was, uh, has been in a firestorm for the original song category because there are a lot of people who don't understand how this, uh, how Disney would not have submitted. We need to talk about Bruno Bruno. (laughs) or we don't talk about Bruno, which is like, I think their biggest hit song, except for Let It Go, maybe even bigger than Let It Go at this point. But, uh, they did get nominated for Dos Oreguitas, their other, song from that movie, which they did, you know, the one that they did choose to submit. And we should remember that, uh, that's the right word here, that it was only a couple years ago that a, uh, another song, which I believe had some, a bit of Spanish and, and uh, not altogether different was Remember Me, which won from Coco. And so uh, from another animated movie with some non-English, you know, it's, there's a precedent, but it was not up against a Bond song, which I uh, believe five previous Bond songs have been in the mix. I think, I don't remember how many, several of them have won, including Adele most recently, probably for, right, Skyfall. for Skyfall. Yeah. So I would not personally want to be on the opposite side of a bet uh, involving No Time to Die from from uh, the movie of the same name. But you also, you know, it's hard to completely rule out either Be Alive, the Beyonce song at the and the end credits of King Richard, or Down to Joy, a song, I believe, early on in Belfast, because those two movies, unlike the other three, 
uh, our Best Picture nominees. And again, if people are voting, having only seen a handful of the movies, they're probably prioritizing the Best Picture nominees. So just something to keep in mind. But, um, you know, by the way, I think maybe even a more recent possibly than Adele uh, – Bond song that one was the Sam Smith Bond song. I forget which they're all a bit of a, a blur, but you know, it's become a tradition. Let's move on to film editing. One thing we know in this category is there will be a first time winner. <laughs> None of them yeah. have previously won the category. Um, and all five are Eddie nominees. Don't look up Hank Corwin, Dune, Joe Walker, King Richard, Pamela Martin, the power of the dog, Peter Skabaris and Tick, Tick, Boom, Myron Kirstein, and Andrew Weisblum. Uh, so Tick, Tick, Boom, and Don't Look Up are nominated in the Eddie's uh, category for comedy feature, and the other three are in the dramatic feature. What do you think about this list? Um, any surprises? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that Tick, Tick, Boom got in there over, you know, some of the, the other higher profile, perhaps best picture nominees like Belfast, like any number of them. I, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom was not nominated for Best Picture, unlike its four competitors here. And there is a perception, which I guess is backed up by stats, that a film editing nomination is crucial to winning Best Picture um, because only once since 1980 has that not has has a best picture winner not been nominated for best film editing that was birdman and that was sort of an excused absence because it was a one shot film which they made a big point of emphasizing or at least made to look Even like a one shot film <laughs> yeah right right um so i you know this is something that is going to be a thorn in the shoe of the belfast people as they try to argue that they're still in the mix or anyone else you know coda but of course another difference is that for most of those years since 1980, there was not a preferential ballot, which changes the whole equation for the best picture category. And so I don't think, I think sometimes there are stats like that, which are causal in a way, you can see why they're related. And then there's some that are just coincidental. So I don't think that's a, a, a kiss of death to a Belfast or even a Coda. But when you look at this, I, I think like the other technical categories, craft categories. I think it's a Dune, Power of the Dog, two-hander, to be honest. I, I I know it was a big win for King Richard and Don't Look Up to even get nominated, certainly for Tick, Tick, Boom, to show up in that category, but I don't think too many people are operating under the illusion that they could win. And I quite agree with you that Belfast, I think, was the one that's the conspicuous absence that surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, wouldn't you say maybe even No Time to Die? I think that, you know, there, we've yes. been talking about, like, where are these popular movies? And if they were going to show up anywhere, a No Time to Die or maybe to a lesser extent, even Spider-Man No Way Home. This is kind of where your fast paced action thriller movies maybe have their best chance. And it just didn't happen. Right. And No Time to Die did get nominated by Ace and also a BAFTA nomination. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of. Kind of not a good sign for those who were, you know, were hoping that they would get a popular movie as a major factor in the Oscar race when not even the categories, not even the branches that generally respond to those movies were nominating it in their own areas. Well, let's move on to Best Sound. Um, this is an interesting one because last year was the first year that they recombined sound into a single category. Um, in recent years, we have been looking at sound editing and sound mixing as two separate categories. 
So this year, the nominees are Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. What do you think of this group? You know, it's it's very interesting because in the years when we had two sound categories, there was always a sense that a musical could be kind of thought, you know, counted on to to do well for one of them, at least I think usually sound mixing. And that would have boded well for West Side Story. But again, it's up against Dune, which is a when you're factoring in sound editing and sound mixing, maybe has the advantage. But I think also it depends if Belfast is a movie that people really love. Here's a chance to honor it. And I will say, I don't I I I, I don't often specifically notice sound work, and I don't think sound people would necessarily want me to in most cases. But <laughs> when I saw Belfast. I was taken, I saw it once, you know, in, in a, a regular kind of setting. And then I saw it once at the Academy Museum with just the top of the line, you know, audio and everything. And and stuff that I had completely missed, like on the streets of Belfast, where you're hearing other conversations as the kids passing through the street and stuff. That to me was pretty impressive. And I again, I don't know how many people are giving this category all that much thought, but it just was, it was notable to me that it's not just a kind of a, a gimme because it's a popular movie to get nominated. I think that there is something to the sound of Belfast. Right. Right. Um, well, it should be noted that all five nominees received at least one nomination for the uh, motion picture sound editors, golden reel awards. And four of the five were nominated for uh, sound mixing for the cinema audio society. Those being Dune, no time to die, power of the dog and West side story. And isn't there some kind of significant statistic with Gary Rydstrom this year, right? Well, there's a few notable names in here. Um, Andy Nelson, who was a re-recording mixer on West Side Story, uh, received his 22nd nomination, which is a record for uh, sound. Andy won twice for uh, Les Mis and Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Gary Rydstrom, also West Side Story, (laughs) he was a supervising sound editor, earned his 20th nomination with this film, and he previously won seven times. Jeez. I mean, that's incredible, these guys. And then just one more name of note is um, Paul Massey for No Time to Die. He was a re-recording mixer. This was Paul's 10th nomination. And this year, he's also receiving the Career Achievement Award from the Cinema Audio Society. Wow. So, but just to come back to one thing you said, so you're saying nobody ever has been nominated for more sound awards of of uh, com- total, you know, combined of editing, mixing, and now that it's unified, then Andy Nelson? Correct. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, 22. Um, Kevin O'Connell has 21, and Gary Rydstrom now has 20. So, Very interesting. We're not going to do all the categories, but I do want to get to visual effects. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So visual effects, the nominees are Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi, and Spider-Man No Way Home. All except Free Guy were nominated for the top award from the Visual Effects Society, which is the um, outstanding visual effects in a photo reel feature. But only three of the last 10 years did the winner of that category go on to win the Visual Effects Oscar. What do you think of these nominees? I mean, it's uh, not surprising to see Dune in there. That's certainly the behemoth in the, you know, 
below the line categories this year, but I do think that it's certainly the favorite, but I do think that something wild can happen in this category. We have seen that a few years ago with Ex Machina beating, as I recall, like a Star Wars movie, maybe even Mad Max. I'm trying to remember what was that year, but it was a uh, unexpected thing. And I think part of it is that sometimes a movie shows up in this category, which is not represented anywhere else, really. And in this case, that is Spider-Man No Way Home, which is, of course, the the biggest box office hit of the year. And I do wonder if a certain segment of people who are voting for Dune all over the place say, you know what, let's throw a bone to to Spider-Man. And uh, it's not like its visual effects were not impressive. And I think that there is a, a chance of that. But um, I still, you know, gun to my head would probably pick Dune. But I think it's important to remember we have seen some unusual things happen here. I guess the one thing that I would say is, when there is a Best Picture nominee nominated in this category, it almost always wins. And so that would right. benefit Dune. Because, uh, again, it's for most people not an area they really know well. They maybe haven't seen, you know, I can say a lot of people have not seen Free Guy or Shang-Chi. It's just not the, you know, kind of movie that a lot of these guys gravitate towards, even if the general public like them. And so I I think that that you know, has to be factored into the equation. Right. Absolutely. And and also a great point that this category has in past years had some big surprises too. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing to note about Spider-Man is um, that Spider-Man 2 from 2004 was actually the last superhero movie to win an Oscar in visual effects. Wow. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you look, yeah, I just pulled it up myself as well. Uh, the movies that win here are not always movies that are particularly widely liked. I mean, yes, 1917, which was a big movie, a uh, big nominee getter that year did. But I mean, Tenet was purely below the line. Blade Runner 2049, First Man, Jungle Book, Interstellar. They're generally big box office commercial movies that... It's like almost this is the closest thing to the popular Oscar that they tried to implement a few years ago. It's like, let's throw a bone to a popular movie. And so, again, Dune was certainly the most popular of the Best Picture nominees, but it doesn't hold a candle to either No Time to Die or certainly Spider-Man No Way Home. Overall, what did you think of the nominations this year? You know, there were things that I personally liked more than others. I I am happy for King Richard, which is probably my favorite movie personally of the year i thought for both will smith and our uh, excuse me and ingenue ellis to get nominated for their acting in it and then for it to do quite well elsewhere i mean song was not guaranteed editing was not guaranteed obviously pictures never guaranteed it it did very well i think it's great that there were so many non-english language films represented across the board whether it's Drive My Car and Picture Director and Writing, uh, also The Worst Person in the World for Writing, um, Penelope Cruz for Actress for, for Parallel Mothers, and, you know, you can go on and on. So to me, it is exciting. And of course, Flea in those big three categories, that's a, you know, Danish film. And Parallel Mothers also was in there for Score, and and we could go on. But I, I think it's it's cool that subtitles are no longer as scary to the Academy as they, as they once were, apparently. We could talk in depth about the, uh, you know, the technical and creative merits of each of these 
nominees, but obviously campaigning and buzz, all of these things come into play. What do you think are going to be big factors in the coming weeks? Certainly one factor that we can't underestimate is the ability to do things in person, because having everything on Zoom because of the pandemic has in some ways leveled the playing field. Everything is being watched on screeners. There are not in-person events. So, you know, having a financial advantage is not necessarily been a big has not been evident. You know, there's no giant stunts or, or things like that. You know, even screeners are now all kind of on an even playing field because they have to go through the academy. It's not a matter of can you afford to send uh, mail hard copy screeners. It's just quite inexpensive to relatively to that cost to just put it on the streaming service. So now as we start to you know, things are starting to come back in person. I think a lot of people were going to time that to the Super Bowl, which is this coming Sunday. Um, and I know that there are live in-person campaign events starting even before that. And so I do think that that will be to the advantage of the operations that have slightly deeper pockets. And that's certainly Netflix. But there are other streamers here, Apple has a lot of reason to support Coda. Amazon, with being the Ricardos, has three acting nominations. You know, this is where those things may matter in a way that they didn't last year when we were totally, um, you know, locked down. So another thing, of course, is that we're going to see some of these precursor awards, which, to be honest, this year are all over the place and did not predict the Oscar nominations in any significant way. I mean, SAG was way off. BAFTA was way off all of that, but it still helps with particularly the televised ceremonies, SAG, Critics' Choice, even BAFTA to a degree, to be seen as a winner before the Academy members pick their winners. It can create, a, I think, a self-perpetuating cycle like, oh, if that's the, you know, if that's the, the person that deserves to win in the eyes of a lot of other people, then maybe I should think about that and vote similarly or whatever. It's sort of a bit of a hive mind thing. So I think those will also, you know, be a factor. But again, the Academy has never been more international, more diverse, less represented by these earlier groups. So I think as the nomination showed, they they do kind of march their own beat now more than ever before. Okay. Well, Scott, I'm really glad you were able to come on and do this again. Thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you for asking me. And uh, we will talk again soon, I'm sure. <laughs> 